All right, happy Monday, if you can call it that. I know everybody's freaked. I know everyone's upset, anxious, worried, concerned. And we have some anecdotal uh, information that I think is extremely promising. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on uh, TV or radio. But uh, we do have our medical aid team, including Dr. Oz today, uh, talking about uh, chloroquine or hydrochloroquine when used with Zithromax, and the early results are way beyond promising. I'll give you an anecdotal story that was in the New York Post today. Um, We now, worldwide, 367,457 people have contracted the virus. 41,511 have uh, died. The number of recoveries, uh, we're now looking at about 40-plus percent, and the others in the process of recovery. Uh, U.S. contractions, 16,113, 499 deaths. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. You remember the movie Disclosure? It was from a Michael Crichton book. I read the book, watched the movie, had Demi Moore in it and Michael Douglas in the book. Long story short is Michael Douglas, uh, Demi Moore becomes Michael Douglas's boss And apparently they had had a relationship in the past. Anyway, she shows up in his office one day, bottle of wine, and tries to initiate uh, a relation, rekindle the relationship. He doesn't want to do it. And he's fighting back, fighting back. Anyway, long story short, it becomes a a big issue where she's setting him up for failure. She's setting him up uh, to be fired. And it's, it's an interesting twist turn about how this whole thing goes it was a good movie good book but in the middle of this is he's like trying to deal with being set up you know again and again he keeps getting these emails from a guy named it actually was a friend it just says a friend turns out that that was a professor long story short somebody was back channeling him the answer to his problem And the message was always the same. Solve the problem. Well, that's the same. I would argue if we solve the problem of the virus, then we're going to be a lot further along in terms of every other issue that we're worried about. Once you once we can have either a treatment again, this is the fastest in the record amount of time we have now been able to break down the sequence of this specific virus. And that means now we are in stage one trials for a vaccine. The only problem with that is that will be, that, that's, that's going to take a, a longer period of time, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't the case, but that is, that is just a fact. And the other thing that is now showing the world a lot of hope is this whole thing that involves uh, these treatment drugs that they're having, like, for example, if you can tell James to bring me in that New York Post article, I lost it. Um, Linda, thank you. Anyway, so what we're now beginning and what we're beginning to see, there is a doctor, anecdotally, that I know in New York that doesn't want to do radio or, or television. He discovered at pretty early on in this that when you prescribe hydro or or chloroquine is what it's called and variations of it it's an anti-malaria drug but when you in fact provide that for treatment of people that they are recovering dramatically faster here i got the new york post article i'll tell you about this now 
apparently, I guess the pharmaceutical company that has it has just shipped three million doses to the president. Remember, I think I first talked about this Wednesday last week. The Israelis have donated six million doses of this drug to the United States. Now, I don't think they're doing it by accident. I mean, we know our friends in Israel. They, they have some of the most innovative, creative, bright scientists like we do. And they have, you know, um, incredible. I don't think they have as much bureaucracy on treatments and things like that as we might do in this country. Anyway, I'll tell you the case that was in the New York Post today. So this doctor, let me finish that thought. This doctor now has treated 375 people with this chloroquine and azithromycin combination. All 375 people, he told me, recovered, and a lot of them in record time. Now, I don't, I am, I'm not a doctor, but for me, I want chloroquine. I want azithromycin, kind of like a ZPAC. Um, here's the story of a 52-year-old man. This was in the New York Post today, who is saying that after the coronavirus infection left him near death, you know, for days last week, he got treated with chloroquine. And he says, quote, it saved my life. Now, his name is Rio. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, Gerard Neary or something like that. Anyway, told Fox News, too, that he struggled with horrendous back pain, headaches, and a cough and fatigue for five days after he caught COVID-19, the coronavirus, possibly, he believes, at a conference in New York. Anyway, doctors at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital in South Florida diagnosed him with coronavirus and pneumonia and put him on oxygen in the ICU and... He told the he told the New York Post after more than a week, doctors told him there was nothing more that they could do. And that Friday evening, he said goodbye to his wife and his three children. Quote, I was at the point where I was barely able to speak and breathing was very challenging. I really thought my end was there. Then a friend sent him an article about hydrochloroquine, a prescription drug that's been used to treat malaria for decades and autoimmune diseases like lupus and quote from him. And I said, look, I don't know if I'm going to make it until the morning, because at that point I really thought I was coming to an end because I couldn't breathe anymore. He continued anyway. So the, he had a doctor authorized chloroquine and 30 minutes later, after the authorization, the nurse gave it to him anyway, after about an hour with an IV with the medicine, he said it felt like his heart was beating out of his chest. And then two hours after that, he had another episode where he couldn't breathe. He says he was given Benadryl and some other drugs. And that when he woke up around 4.45 in the morning, quote, he felt like nothing had ever happened. He has since had no fever or pain and can breathe again. And he said that the doctors believed the episodes he was experiencing were not a reaction to the medicine, but his body fighting off the virus. And he said he had three doses of the medicine and is hoping to be discharged from the hospital in a few days. To me, there is no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't make it until this morning. So to me, the drug saved my life. Now, that's that's these are all anecdotal, interesting things. So I'm talking to a doctor is telling me the same thing and he's prescribing it to patients then Israel sending us six million doses um, and worldwide. We know that other countries have now begun using it as well. 
And according to the president, I was watching his press conference yesterday that he apparently already sent chloroquine to New York State. I don't know if he mentioned specifically if he sent it to Washington and California because he did do a lot. I mean, we now have these U.S. Navy ships, one of the one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. One is going to take two weeks to get out of maintenance, but it's going to be deployed on the West Coast and East Coast uh, coast to help any overcrowding that might occur if the <clears throat> hospitals get inundated in any way. Um, he also directed FEMA to supply four large federal medical stations, 1,000 more beds in New York, uh, eight large medical stations, 2,000 beds for California, 1,000 beds for the state of Washington. The National Guard has been activated for the state of New York. And he said we're going to be waiving the 25%. Apparently, usually states pay 25%. That's waived. He talked about N95 respirators, which we've heard so much about, 186,416 now delivered. They've delivered 440,078 surgical masks. Face shields were delivered, what, 84,556 of those. Surgical, that you know, tens and tens of thousands. I can go through the whole list. It's a lot of stuff. Um, so now, again, there's a couple of things about this that everybody has to keep in mind and understand. Because this is very important. This this whole thing has taken on a life of its own that nobody anticipated. And but more importantly, I think this is all groundbreaking. Everything that we are wat- watching and witnessing with this is new. For example, I think in the future, I don't think people are going to be calling it xenophobic and hysterical and fear mongering when a travel ban is implemented uh, 10 days after the virus, the first known case in the U.S., got here, because that's what Joe Biden said. I don't think that where I, I think for the future is going to be public-private partnerships with these drive-up testing sites. I do believe telemedicine is also going to be available probably to most, if not all, Americans 24-7. My, my son, my daughter has a temperature. What do I do? Three in the morning. Okay, two Tylenol. If you still have problems, call me back or get to the emergency room immediately. But that will be taking a lot of burden off our healthcare system. Taking the the you know sort of like getting rid of the rules of engagement so we could beat the caliphate. Well, the same thing with the FDA. You're taking up off the handcuffs, and you say no. We're going to act. We have some promising results here. The real risk for chloroquine, and I've read a lot about it, is that if you use it in large, large doses, you do have instances of blindness, uh, but they have to be pretty high doses from all that I've read. Nothing is risk-free. Dr. Oz is going to be on the program today. He knows a lot about this. And you just, everything here is transformative. None of this had ever been done before, which makes this new and innovative. And I think if if we're able to get through all of this, down the line, what we're going to see is everything changing forever in a, in a positive way that's going to save lives. That is that is important. Now, what's really sick is we're getting the same predictable behavior out of Washington. Wait, wait till I play for you later in the show, Mitch McConnell. I don't think I've ever heard a more animated Mitch McConnell in my life. They had a bipartisan deal put together, a relief package for American workers and small business and corporations that are directly impacted by the shutdown because of the virus. 
They had it all done. And then Schumer comes in. No, we got it. And Pelosi comes in. No, we got to we got to put out our wish list. And so they're fighting one for the expansion of wind and solar tax credits. So they're willing to hold up aid to American workers and aid to small business and aid to companies that are laying off people left and right. And their businesses are shut down as a result of all of this because they want a new green deal because that's what they're doing. Now, get this. You think the airlines are having a tough enough time? The other thing Democrats are demanding or they're not going to pass the relief package is increased fuel emission standards for the airline industry. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're not devastated enough. That's that's your focus at this moment when people need money to pay their rent, their mortgages, their car payments, uh, their doctor's bill, keeping their kids in school. Then they have to give back to the big labor unions. So now they're demanding unprecedented collective bargaining powers for the unions. You have James Clyburn as the House whip. He said, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. Wow. Apparently uh, said that on a, a call with his colleagues. If that's where your head is at, that's pretty sick to me. That's pretty twisted. Because people, real people, real Americans, real struggling, we bail out Europe. We save the world from every evil whatever. Now Americans need our help, and they're playing games in Washington. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yep, that's what they're holding up the bill for. Yes, a new green deal. Increased fuel emission standards for the airlines and an expansion of wind and solar tax credits and unprecedented collective bargaining powers for the unions. I mean, just when you think it can't get any sicker, I mean, this bill should be a slam dunk. Help American workers now. Help small businesses that are hurt now. Help the industries that are devastated by the fallout from this now. Nobody else. This is not about your agenda. And to hold up that aid and that support for the American people, uh, it's a betrayal to the American to, to to every American worker that is now struggling because of all of this. I mean, I, I just can't believe it. By the way, I do want to point out, for those of you that are interested, Walmart is now planning to hire one, 150,000 new workers. All right. They said they're going to give full-time employees who are paid an hourly bonus of 300 bucks each. Part-time employees, 150 bucks. Um, these jobs may be temporary at first, but they may convert to permanent jobs. Amazon announced they're going to hire 100,000 new employees to handle the influx of e-commerce orders and deliveries as more Americans stay home. Probably that could be a help for Uber guys in the meantime. 7-Eleven, they have 70,000 stores. They said they're going to bring in as many as 20,000 store employees. Kroger's 10,000 new employees. Uh, CVS, 50,000 full-time workers. Safeway uh, is looking for a couple of thousand workers. Dollar General, 50,000 employees. They want to hire. Domino's is going to hire a ton. Albertsons is going to hire a ton. Papa John's wants 20,000 more people. Pepsi wants to hire 6,000 new people full uh, time, full benefit. And Walgreens, too. All right, as we roll along, 25 till the top of the hour. So I have never in all the years I've watched the U.S. Senate 
heard and witnessed a more animated Mitch McConnell as the Democrats are demanding, yes, the new Green Deal, wind and solar tax credits. This is a bill to relieve workers that are some of whom are now unable at this moment to pay their rent payments or their house payments. Now we're going to now we have to we got we have to delay it for even a second is unbelievable to me. And then increase fuel emission standards for the airlines. Oh, really? This is what you want to focus on now instead of helping America's workers. I thought, you know, Democrats always give the illusion that Republicans, they're racist, they're sexist, they're misogynist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water. They want grandma and grandpa, if they do eat, only eat cat food and dog food before a Paul Ryan, Donald Trump, soon to be Speaker McCarthy, hopefully, lookalike, throws granny over the cliff and dies because they want to kill you. Um, they claim they have a monopoly of compassion for every, every demographic group in the country. Whose policies work the best? Donald Trump's. Not their policies. What have they done in big cities? Look at how bad the schools are. Any, any big city that has been run for decades by the Democratic Party, how are their schools? New York's pretty much a disaster. If you look at, oh, we have 13 public schools uh, in the great uh, city of Baltimore where not one kid is proficient in reading or math. Not one. How do you fail at that spectacular level? We, have, we are betraying our kids. How do you not get a hold of the violence after all of these years we're watching the carnage of our American family in the city of Chicago? Who's to blame for that? You going to blame Trump for that? After all, it's the Trump virus, the New York Times tells us. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. These workers need help. If we're going to spend money and give it all over the world, all over the globe, constantly, way beyond what we can even afford, if we're going to spend that money and we're going to bail out all of Europe after World War II and we're going to fight two world wars and beat back the forces of communism and fascism and nazism more recently radical islamism and we're going to pay the price of freedom around the world and then take a lot of our money and you know giveaways for every other country's health needs whatever they have i think we spend way too now we're not going to help the american people that doesn't fly with me it's a lot of money we're talking about here it's got to be used we got to be judicious. It's got to get to the people that deserve the help. You know, people throw, we ought to give every American $2,000. I don't need your $2,000. Give it to somebody who needs it. Give it to somebody who lost a job. Give it to an, a, a small business guy that had to lay off 15 employees. Give it to restaurant owners that have had to lay off people. I'm ordering food all weekend. Not that I'm, that I'm not, I know I'm not even going to eat. Because my, my friends run restaurants. Just want to keep them busy. Any way I can. Unbelievable. Here's McConnell today. Are you kidding me? This is the moment to debate new regulations that have nothing whatsoever to do with this crisis? That's what they're up to over there. American people need to know it. Democrats won't let us fund hospitals or save small businesses unless they get to dust off the Green New Deal. I'd like to see Demo- Senate Democrats tell New York City doctors and nurses 
who are literally overrun as we speak. That they're filibustering hospital funding and more masks because they want to argue with the airlines over their carbon footprint? I'd like to see Senate Democrats tell small business employees in their states who are literally being laid off every day that they're filibustering relief that will keep people on the payroll because Democrats' special interest friends want to squeeze employers while they're vulnerable. Squeeze these employers while they're vulnerable. I'd like to see Senate Democrats tell all American seniors who've seen their hard-earned retirement savings literally melt away as the markets track toward their worst month since 1931, that they're continuing to hold up emergency measures over tax credits for solar panels. Tax credits for solar panels. Even with the Federal Reserve announcing even further extraordinary steps today, the markets are tanking once again, as I said, because this body can't get its act together. And the only reason it can't get its act together is right over here on the other side of the aisle. So these are just a few of the completely non-germane wish list items that they're rallying behind, preventing us from getting this emergency relief to the American people right now. 11th hour demands that Democrats have decided are more important than Americans' paychecks and the personal safety of doctors and nurses. Now compare that to corporate America, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. Well, two pharmaceutical companies now are working on uh, chloroquine right now because it shows such signs and hope of progress. Israel donates 6,000 doses to the United States. There's everybody stepping up to help in the middle of a crisis. When the president announced the public-private partnerships, what, pharmaceutical reps were there, health insurance reps were there. Oh, by the way, there's no copay if you're going to get a corona test. They stepped up. All these big box stores, uh, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Target. I'm going to forget a lot of them. I shouldn't forget them. They're all stepping up. Quest Diagnostics, uh, LabCorp. All of these great companies, they're all, all hands on deck. We've got to help the American people. You know, that's why I'm mentioning that Walmart's hiring 150,000 people. Amazon, 100,000 people. 7-Eleven is hiring. Kroger is hiring. CVS is hiring. Safeway is hiring. Dollar General's hiring. Uh, they want 50,000 employees. Albertsons, Domino's, Papa John's, PepsiCo, Pepsi, Walgreens. They're all hiring. And they're telling people, hey, we're... we're what we now, our businesses are doing better. If you're displaced, we, we need you. Come and work for us. Some might even become full-time jobs. They're even saying it. We also have this public-private partnership. Look at, look, I, I mean, how many people demonize the pharmaceutical industry? Well, they might end up saving the world on this from a, from a catastrophe. They're stepping up. Then Google's, I'm not the biggest fan of the Google people or Facebook or any of these, but they're stepping up. IBM, Amazon, MIT, you know, we have all these incredible groups of people that see other Americans in dire need and, and, and they're reaching out to help. Amazing. That's what Americans do. This is what Congress does. What was I saying from the beginning? Don't pork barrel up this bill. The very thing I knew would probably happen. Here's Senator Kennedy, Louisiana. You know what the American people are thinking right now? They're thinking that 
The brain is an amazing organ. It starts working in a mother's womb, and it doesn't stop working until you get elected to Congress. You know what the American people are thinking right now, Mr. President? They're thinking that this country was founded by geniuses, but it's being run by a bunch of idiots. You know what the American people are thinking right now, Mr. President? They're thinking, why do the members of the United States Senate continue to double down on stupid? Now, this is not a Republican bill, Mr. Chairman. This is a bipartisan bill. We have spent hours and hours and hours negotiating these provisions with our Democratic friends. This is not a slush fund. Well said, Senator. And by the way, you probably not if you're driving, you can't remember the names of the companies I mentioned that are either helping or hiring. We put them all up on Hannity.com. Uh, and thank you, Senator Kennedy, for sticking up for the American people. But and Senate Democrats, this is now going on for a long time here. You know, they now have blocked the GOP, Mitch McConnell, the leadership in the Senate. This is now the phase three of the coronavirus aid bill. It fails to reach the 60 vote threshold to pass. It, it failed on a motion 4946. And the bill now is stalled because the chamber now they're they're haggling over all of, let's see, carbon footprints and emission standards uh, for the airlines of all people. Really? And yeah, the new Green Deal expansion of wind and solar tax credits, unprecedented collective bargaining for unions. This has nothing to do with helping we, the people, that they're supposed to be serving. Where, where are your priorities in Washington? This is, this is despicable. I've seen a lot of this over the years. I didn't think it would happen here. And, and they, it doesn't matter. They're, just, they're locked in right now. They are locked in. You know, uh, all these businesses now are stepping up. It is an amazing thing to watch. The best of the best. Honeywell, by the way, GM, I forgot to mention them. You know, GM is willing to make ventilators. They've been hearing the news like we have, but we don't have enough. Okay, well, apparently we've found 10,000 more of them, um, and hopefully we won't need them. Honeywell made a promise to manufacture millions of these N95 masks. Other companies are doing it, too. Amazing people. They, they, they see a need and they're like, okay, I think I could do something here. I think I can help. Oh, by the way, Uber. They're saying, no, we're not going to take our cut in whatever area. They said, no, we're going we're to reduce the cost of uh, Uber Eats. You have the FedEx CEO. He generously agreed to have his teams uh, meet the flight in Memphis and take cargo to five different cities that needed help. When they got an emergency call from the HHS secretary, uh, securing a major shipment of uh, China coronavirus test swabs and sample kits. Uh, anyway, restrictions were in place. Anyway, so then what do we have? We have, you know, people like uh, our HHS secretary stepping up and getting that bureaucratic red tape out of the way so we can get it done. Unbelievable. Uh, the Surgeon General Adams said delay effective medical dental procedures to help you fight Corona. Makes sense, right? Trying to give out news information, facts without fear. A lot of fear out there. I am very hopeful. Look, I don't know if it's going to work. I'm not a doctor. 
But I talked to a doctor that said to me, it absolutely works. And he's not the only one. Chloroquine, hydrochloroquine with azithromycin, the story that I read to you in the last half hour, guy in Florida was on his deathbed. He already said goodbye to his family. It was over. He thought he was dead. He gets an IV drip. It went even worse for a while. Wakes up the next day. He's better. It's like it never happened, he says. Even the doctors had said to him, you're done. You know, it's, it's like Joe Biden is out there attacking the president. Every it's a, This is what who they are and what they do. You know, now he's having, he can't even put on a, 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 a podcast for crying out loud. Last time he's doing the podcast, he's looking at this phone in a really weird way, stumbling all over everything he's supposed to say. And at one moment, just literally just turns away from the camera, forgetting he's on camera. Needed his wife to come in and bail him out and take him off stage in a case. And just bumbling and fumbling. And now he tried another attempt. A first national coronavirus briefing today. And speaking from his home in Wilmington, the 77-year-old bumbled and stumbled that too. Losing his trend, trend of thought. You see his little hand say, push up the prompter, push up the prompter. Because he didn't have anything left to say without reading what somebody else, I'm sure, wrote for him. You know, signaling to his staff, I need help. I need help. And he's hemming and hawing and move, making gestures. I'm like, is there any? Just unbelievable. And that's what's at stake in, what, 225 days. That is what is at stake here. Um, there's a lot of talk, and I think it's legitimate. You know, is the cure going to be worse than the crisis? We have got to be very, very careful how this money is spent, how it is allocated, loans that are given, whatever means that we're using. They have got to, it's got to be given in a way that will best set up our economy so that when we get out of this, we will get out of it in a spectacular fashion with the economy coming roaring back, jobs coming roaring back. Now, it's not going to be help, with the help of the mob and the media. Yeah, there's liberal Joe. I, you know, we had one good day. Then he goes back to being liberal Joe. Trump doesn't have the mentality to lead us through the crisis. Oh, I guess I went, went in all doubt. Why all hands on deck? Jake Tapper takes uh, Ocasio-Cortez's propaganda as though it's, you know, God uh, gospel truth. It doesn't fact check her. If it was a Republican, you fact checked a million different ways and sideways. Then liberal Joe Trump rolling back coronavirus guidelines after 15 days would be an act of suicide. Oh, there's a the guy I'm going to seek the most advice from in my life. It's going to cost lives. What is? You got conspiracy theorist numero one. Number one. Number one conspiracy theorist in the entire country. Ignored by everybody in the media mob. If I said half the crap that Maddo said over at the Conspiracy Channel, he fired. That the network should not air the president's coronavirus briefings, misinformation. And it goes on from there. You know, another guy at MSDNC wants to push climate regulations using the pandemic. Joy Reid saying that almost nothing that Trump says is true. Rick Wilson, never Trumper. Trump's true believers will be going to a lot of funerals. Wow. For me, there was no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't make it till morning.
So to me, the drugs saved my life. 52-year-old Rio Giordaneri has been isolated in the ICU at Joe DiMaggio Hospital in South Florida with COVID-19, on oxygen, but still unable to breathe. Friday evening, he says he was on his deathbed. Doctors told him there was really nothing more they could do. I was at the point where I was barely able to speak and breathing was very challenging. I, I really thought my end was there. I'd been through nine days of solid pain um, and it just, it, for me, it was the end was there. So I've made some calls to, uh, but my, you know, say my, in my own way, goodbye to my friends and family. A dear friend sent him a recent article about hydroxychloroquine, an old anti-malaria medicine proven successful to treat COVID-19 patients overseas, and insisted he take the drug. So Giardinari reached out to an infectious disease doctor. He gave me all the reasons why I would probably not want to try it because there's no trials, there's no testing. Um, it wasn't something that was approved. And I said, look, I don't know if I'm going to make it till the morning because at that point I just really thought I was coming to the end because I couldn't breathe anymore. And uh, he agreed and authorized the use of it. And 30 minutes later, the nurse said, uh, gave it to me. An hour after an IV with the medicine, he says his heart felt like it was beating out of his chest. They had to come in and, and get me calmed down and take care of me. And uh, I had another episode about two hours later and where I just got to the point where I couldn't breathe and my heart was pounding again. Um, so they, they gave me some Benadryl through the system and something else. I'm not sure what it was. And it allowed me to go to sleep. And when I woke up about, four, well, exactly 4.45 in the morning, I woke up like nothing ever happened. Miraculously, he's since had no fever or pain, feels fine, and he's able to breathe again. All right, that was the case I told you about. Glad you're with us. Hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. This guy down in Florida, I mean, what he was describing is, yeah, uh, the doctors told him there was nothing more that they could do. He says goodbye to his wife and three children, who's barely able to speak, breathing very challenging, I thought the end was here. They thought the end was here, meaning the doctors. And a friend sent him an article about uh, hydroxychloroquine. And in fact, he took it. He was authorized immediately. They had put the IV in. And now it got worse a little bit before it got better. And he could. He felt like his heart was beating out of his chest. About two hours later, he had another episode. He couldn't breathe. He was given Benadryl, Benadryl and wakes up the next morning, quote, it felt like nothing had ever happened, ever. No fever, no pain, and he could breathe easily and normally. Now, I have been talking at length. I didn't know anything about chloroquine, or if you want to use the official name, or there's different variations of it, until I think Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday of last week after I read about it. And by the way, we have good news. Tom Hanks and his wife feel better. Good for them. After now, the two weeks after first exhibiting corona symptoms, um, but is this potentially, now that the president admitted he said tens of thousands of doses to New York State, where the largest outbreak has taken place, uh, Governor Cuomo's ordered 750,000 doses of chloroquine. Israel is donating, get this, donating. How great are they? Six million doses of chloroquine to the United States, and they're going to ship it out as quickly as possible. There is, I found this one Yahoo article 
that was interesting to me. Michael Levitt is the guy's name, Stanford uh, biophysicist. And while everybody else was saying that, uh-oh, the death rate in China was going to be massive, he actually made a, a pinpoint perfect prediction because he said that the numbers that we're hearing are going to be wrong. Now, this guy has a lot of credibility, won the 2013 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for developing complex models of chemical systems. Pretty interesting guy. And he predicted with pinpoint accuracy when nobody else was predicting that it would end up about 80,000 people in China would get the disease or contract uh, coronavirus with about 3,250 deaths. And he was pretty much dead on. He says the same thing's going to happen here. I hope he's right. But I'm not a doctor. But Dr. Brian McDonough is. And he hosts a daily podcast on Corona, clinical professor, family medicine, Temple University School of Medicine, known to New York audiences as medical editor at 1010 Wins uh, since 1996. And our good friend Dr. Oz is back with us, cardiac surgeon, host of the ever-successful Dr. Oz Show. Um, Dr. Oz, I heard you, you, you expressing the exact same hope as others about hydroxychloroquine. Well, Sean, I, I read the story when you read it. I got the original paper. It wasn't even published yet. And then I went one step further. I tried to talk to this guy, but he wasn't really very communicative. It turns out, thankfully, his wife, not him, his wife watches the show in France, and she insisted he call me back. So I Skyped with him before dawn on Sunday. It was their morning. And I asked him a basic question. Would you take this pill yourself based on what you know? And he said, absolutely. I give it to my, I take it. I give it to my family. I tell my residents the same thing. And then I began learning as I interviewed him. And he's on the show today, by the way. I wanted to actually have America see him, the man who did this himself, so you can judge for yourself if you believe him. But he's going to be on my show later. Great. Thanks, Dr. Osborne. You're out booked, Hannity. Thanks a lot. I'm teasing. I'm glad glad you're having him on. So his English is actually quite good, he's, and he's very well respected in this space. He's the most uh, referenced infectious disease specialist in the world. And the French, just everyone knows, are already adopting his protocol in some of their hospitals. But what he said was, it wasn't my idea. He's a humble guy. He says the Chinese were doing this. I heard a famous Chinese equivalent of me in their country say, we've had great success with using this drug, hydroxychloroquine, which is, again, it's, just, it's an old malaria drug. It, it's decades old. And it's got a safety profile that's good. And the reason the Chinese did it, listen carefully, is really important. And one of their hospitals in Wuhan, all the patients who came in with COVID-19, the virus, none of them had lupus. All the people with lupus who came in, none of them had COVID-19. What was the difference? The difference was the people on lupus were getting hydroxychloroquine. And there's theoretical reasons why it would be beneficial. So they actually did a little trial. They put 20 patients. Again, I'm trying to still find the original data on these things. But they, they tried to use it in patients. They showed that, that they had pretty impressive improvements clinically in the people who got it. It wasn't a real randomized trial. It was just a pilot, just to sort of say, hey, does this directionally make sense? This doctor, uh, who you're going to love, Ra- Dr. Uh, Didier Rawls, copied it, took it one level past. He said he added uh, azithromycin, which is ZPAC, because theoretically right. that would help. And what he found... Uh, just for the audience who doesn't know this, but we should be clear, within three days, dramatic difference in how much virus was in people who had been ill, all diagnosed with COVID-19. Within six days, 100% of the virus was gone uh, in, in, in the people who were in that group who were getting both pills. And only 12% of the control group, in America, we are the control group because we're not getting treated with these pills. 
had a reduction to nothing in their virus. That's important for two reasons, Sean. First off, you're not infectious if you don't have any virus in your nose anymore. And the set, so, the, so instead of having 20 days of infectivity, it's only six days, so you'll spread it less. And the second thing is, theoretically, you'd have an improvement in clinical results because you have less virus. Now, we don't know that yet because he didn't want to say that because he's not collected all the data, but he shared that he was impressed so far, and he was looking forward to sharing that data with me and the rest of the world in 10 days. But I'm left thinking, okay, it's not the trial data we like to see, and we have to get that done. So I'm actually spirit helping uh, with this process. I'm actually funding the trial at my university, Columbia University. Other great centers like Cleveland Clinic and other groups are moving ahead, doing the trials, the randomized trials with you know, hundreds of patients to prove that this is really legitimate. But in the meantime, and this is the question for you, what the doctors do? Do they prescribe this or not? The patient you just discussed, we um, just spoke to as well. And as you described it, as he said it, he felt that his life was saved by it. I see both the doctors who are prescribing it, doctors who gave it to their family members who believe it played a role. This starts to snowball, it's, but it's not a controlled process. So we need to decide what are we going to do, and then this is a big Well, challenge. here's the main the question. Budget. I have another doctor that's going to join us at the bottom of the hour, uh, Vladimir Zenlenko, and he's been prescribing it just as you had described, uh, chloroquine with uh, Z-Pak or Zithromax, I guess basically is what you call it, or, or whatever. It's, I'm, not, I'm not the doctor, but he's had, every, he said, yeah, Zithromycin. So he's had a 100% success rate. He's going to tell his story at the bottom of this hour. Well, you know, Sean, well, Mehmet, they, uh, it's Brian. Me, uh, if I could, yeah, hey, Brian. Yeah, hey, Brian, if I could just please. jump in for a second. I think, you know, like, obviously I do the media work, but for the last 30 years I also see patients every day. And one of the things I do, I teach young docs, and they graduate. Well, I had gotten a number of reports from around the country from doctors who I trained talking about this. I'm kind of getting it from people in a practice setting, and I'm very cynical. I don't want to be the first to prescribe something or the last. I kind of believe right in the middle. But looking at this and looking at the situation we're in, knowing the safety profile like Mehmet said about hydroxychloroquine, it's been around since 1946, does treat lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. When you look at it, if you've got certain people who are high risk or certain people who are far down that path and yet don't have other options, you know, you look at things like com compassionate use. You look at things like maybe we give this a shot. I mean, if you look at AZT, back, you know, we were all around when HIV first it came out. H AZT kind of was developed and figured out that same way. And I think we do have to take some chances. I think what the president says is right. We got we to gotta take chances. But as Mehmet says, in a controlled environment, what I don't want to see, and I don't think any of us want to see, is people just starting to take these medications. Because, for instance, if you take hydroxychloroquine and you take azithromycin together, you get a thing called prolonged QT interview, interval in certain people, and that will cause heart issues. So it's not, it's not free of side effects, but in the right environment, with physicians looking at it and knowing they have this tool, I think it's important. And I'm starting to see intensive care pathways where they are talking about people on mechanical ventilation. And they're saying, consider hydroxychloroquine, 400 milligrams twice a day on day one, and then 200 milligrams twice a day for the next four days. So it's, it's, it's at the point now where we know we need things. And, you know, we're all going to war here. And, and if it helps, it's certainly a trial that I think needs to be done. So I, I agree with Mehmet well, here. Uh, um, you know, let, let me let me. So this drug's been around since 1945, anti-malaria drug also used uh, for lupus. There are other variations of this drug I want to ask you both about when we get back. Uh, and the risk, everything I've read is therapeutic doses. If you if you put too much in 
a, a person's body or symptom that you do risk side effects like potential blindness, but I don't believe those therapeutic doses that we use here reach those levels. But we'll ask the experts, Dr. Oz, Dr. Brian McDonough, when we get back, we'll talk to that patient down in Florida that thought he was on his deathbed, whose doctors thought he was on his deathbed. And, uh, yep, he's saying that hydrochloroquine and Zithromax saved his life. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Dr. Brian McDonough is with us, uh, host a daily podcast on coronavirus, clinical professor, family medicine uh, at Temple University, uh, School of Medicine. Uh, we all know the great Dr. Oz, uh, host of one of the most successful syndicated shows in all of television, and uh, cardiac surgeon in his own right. We're talking about hydrochloroquine. Um, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to lose Dr. Oz, but D- Dr. McDonough is going to take your calls if you have any specific medical issues. Um, last thoughts. You, you seem optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I like that. If you or somebody in your family were to get corona and were having a tough time, would you prescribe hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax to them, Dr. Oz? 100% yes. And I recognize that it's not proven in the kinds of clinical trials we'd like to see, but I would never uh, ignore the data from both France and China that's out there. And hopefully we'll have more solid data from this country. The big challenge I'll pose this to you because this is the area you specialize in is mobilizing folks is how do you get people not to hoard? Cause I don't want to have these pills in my medicine cabinet just in case I get sick. So some very needy 70 year old with chronic lung problems, or heart disease doesn't get to use these pills when their doctor thinks it's appropriate. And how do we get our country to make more of this? Other countries well, I have are some good news on that front. The pills. There are two. Well, I agree about the hoarding. And I did hear you or read that you had said, stay home and have sex. Stop stealing the toilet paper or something to that effect. Uh, exactly. <laughs> we do need to laugh at times like this because it's so rough on so many people. and We're praying for everybody. But um, the interesting thing is two pharmacies now have begun production in this country, immediately changing. Israel sending over six million doses for free. Uh, we now have found another 3 million doses that are being distributed around the country. And I understand that it will be widely available very quickly. Well, can I just say one thing? Because I've spoken to the task force about this. Uh, just to put it in context, a, a, a treatment is 20 pills. So, you know, we're, we're talking about just in what you described enough for, you know, 2 million people. So we need to build a supply. And 2 million is enough maybe for now because we don't have 2 million people who are sick. But there's a theoretical reason, and there's a clinical trial that was just starting at Columbia showing that it could help prophylax, prevent people from getting ill. I mentioned earlier, folks with right. lupus taking it don't seem to get it. So for our healthcare providers, I'm like, we need pills. So we need, you know, 100 million of these pills, which is, you got to start somewhere, and I'm happy about this, but I'm, I'm already confident we don't have enough because I had trouble finding some for our clinical trial, much less supplying it more widely. So we really need to ramp up, and I think one issue well, is we that's happening. Yeah two, yeah, two pharmaceutical companies are ramping up. We found another 3 million doses immediately that's being distributed. 6 million coming from Israel. Uh, Good. But, but uh, so the, uh, I'll stay in touch with you, and I'll put, listen, if I need to put pressure on them, I'll put pressure on them. I don't think people like when I put pressure on them. Uh, Dr. Raj, you're amazing. Congrats. Uh, watch that show today. Uh, Rio, the guy that recovered because of hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax will join us. Dr. McDonough's taking your calls, your medical calls next, 800-941-SEAN. Dr. Oz, thank you. All right, 25. Thanks, uh, Scott Chatton. 25 till the top of the hour. This guy that had a miraculous recovery 
with the regimen that we were just discussing in the last hour with Dr. Oz and Dr. Brian McDonough of hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax. Well, I happen to have on the line another doctor. By the way, Dr. Brian McDonough um, joint stays with us, and he is a clinical professor of family medicine at Temple University School of Medicine. By the way, he's been known to New York audiences as the medical editor, 1010 Wins, since 1996. Uh, and I'll tell you, I am looking at something in front of me that I find just amazing, and it is from a Dr. Zelenko. Now, here's I just want to read this to you. To all medical professionals around the world, and he goes on. Hang on, I think Uncle James just took it, printed it for me. Thank you. For the last 16 years, I have cared for approximately 75% of the adult population in Kiris Joel, which is a very close-knit community, approximately 35,000 people, in which COVID-19 uh, infection spread rapidly and unchecked prior to the imposition of social distancing. As of today, my team has tested approximately 200 people from the community for COVID-19, and 65% of the results have been positive. If extrapolated to the entire community, that would mean that more than 20,000 people are infected at this present time. Of this group, I estimate, my estimate is that there are 1,500 patients who are generally accepted high risk, you know, above 60, compromised immune system, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, given the urgency of the situation, I developed the following treatment protocol in pre-hospital setting, in a pre-hospital setting, and have only seen positive results. One, any patient with shortness of breath is treated. Any patient in a high-risk category with mild symptoms is treated. Young, healthy, low-risk patients, even with symptoms, are not treated unless their circumstances change and they fall into category one or two as is well-known patients likely self-resolve, uh, as is known, these patients likely self-resolve. Uh, my outpatient treatment regimen is as follow. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams twice a day, five days. Azithromycin, 500 milligrams, once a day, five days. Zinc sulfate, 220 milligrams, once a day, for five days. Now, he went into the rationale. He cites studies and information that we've gathered. I'm not sure if you can trust China, but from China, but more importantly, South Korea. They recently had a study that they published from France. Uh, and by the way, that hydroxychloroquine helps zinc enter the cell. And we know that zinc shows viral replication or stops viral replication or slows it at least. Um, anyway, long story short, he points out that since last Thursday, my team has treated approximately 350 patients and another 150 patients in the other areas of New York with the above regiment. Of this group and the information provided to me by affiliated medical teams, we have had zero deaths, zero hospitalizations, zero intubations, meaning the tube. In addition, I have not heard of any negative side effects other than approximately 10% of patients with temporary nausea and diarrhea, which, by the way, can happen with a ZPAC or Zithromax. Uh, uh, anyway, in sum, my, I, my urgent recommendation is to initiate treatment in the outpatient setting as soon as possible in accordance with the above. Based on my direct experience, it prevents acute 
respiratory distress syndrome and prevents the need for hospitalization and it is saving lives. Uh, Dr. Wow. I mean, I'm just blown away by this. Uh, Dr. Zelenko uh, joins us now uh, along with Dr. Brian McDonough. And we'll try and get in a couple of medical calls this half hour. Dr. Zelenko, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Okay, tell us what, so all of this is true. You have not had, you've had 100% success rate. Well, I define success as not having to go to the hospital since hospitals are overwhelmed right now. So I've uh, treated aggressively these patients and I've seen remarkable results within uh, the shortness of breath issue resolved within four to six hours. Now, you heard about this case from Florida. We have this guy going to join us at the top of the next hour. He was dying. He told his family goodbye. Doctors said there was nothing that they can do. Last minute, he had somebody prescribe him pretty much your regimen. And he, he had a tough reaction in the beginning. They gave him some Benadryl. Anyway, after that, the next morning he woke up, and I'll quote his exact words because I was kind of stunned by it. He said it felt like nothing had ever happened. He could breathe again. It was back to normal. Are you seeing the same results? No, not not as dramatic, but it, it does. They do get. Well, his better. was an IV form. It was not a pill. So listen, uh, Sean. The, the main issue is here, like this: that once ARDS kicks in, that's basically there's tremendous cell damage and there's cytotoxic chemicals being released in the lung, destroying the lungs. And these drugs won't even help then, probably. What we need to do is decrease, decrease the viral load and give the immune system time to overcome the infection um, prior to ARDS developing. So my rationale was, instead of waiting and watching people get sicker, let me try what was this? Thank you, President Trump, for approving this drug and um, combining some good ideas from other countries that have had experience with this. And I all I did was take established regimens and just apply them to, in the pre-hospital setting when their patients are, have mild to moderate symptoms. And I've seen remarkable results. It really prevents uh, the progression of the disease and patients get better. Do, all right. We're going we're gonna to change lines, uh, doctor, if you don't mind. Uh, Dr. Zelenko is with us. Uh, incredible story. We continue, though, with Dr. Brian McDonough. Uh, Dr. McDonough, what is your reaction to that news? I'm kind of halfway between Dr. Zelenko and my colleague from Temple. I went to med school with Dr. Steve Hom, who's with the FDA. Like Steve would like to see, obviously, full FDA testing and then use this when possible. Dr. Zelenko has an idea of just throwing it out there, which is one option. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I believe that those who are COVID-19 positive, but they're under 60, they don't have any of the risk factors you're talking about. I think clinical observation and supportive care are good in those cases without in, in entering these things. One, because of the medication supply, and two, all medications do have side effects, minor, but why do it with that many people? But if you get into the group of people who are over 60 and they have risk factors, COPD, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, immunocompromised, people like that, they tend to be more likely to go down that bad path. And that might be the place where we consider using it, where we absolutely... Well, let me I ask the hard question. And to sure. me, this is the main question. Uh, Dr. McDonough, if it was a family member of yours, because I know what I would do, I would absolutely, if it was me, I'd take it. Somebody I loved, I'd make them take it, whether they wanted to or not. I'd be, a, you know, pretty forceful of my, my persuasion, persuasion, at least I'd think. 
I would take it. Right. What would you do? No, I know what you're, and I know what you're saying, Sean. I think, I think if they're over 60 and, and there's risks, I would say yes. I think that's a, a really good argument. If they're under it, we have to look also. I mean, I know it's our family, but if I look at big picture, I've got to look at how much is around for how many people and what can they do. And, there are, and again, when you take that many people, you, you talk about side effects. Remember, a lot of people, in that age, especially in younger age groups, do extremely well. We are seeing that there's some lung damage, there's other issues, and there are more cases of young people having issues. Well, well hang on. I wanted to get into that. Percentage. We're now yeah. seeing that the number of younger people hospitalized has increased dramatically. That, that was not what we were being told a week ago. It was all, right. what we're yeah yeah what we're seeing is young people also a lot of people, young people have underlying issues as well other issues that make them more vulnerable too and we have to take that into account like if you have someone who has let's say type one diabetes and they're young they have type one diabetes and they're young so that's different than someone who doesn't have any other chronic conditions so I think we have to start looking at all these things the problem we have is that we're in a race against time. I mean, obviously, if we had a year and we were talking about doing this, we would do the studies. We have to start making informed decisions based on the studies and the information we have. And I think that's why it's good we're getting a lot of the greatest minds on this to tell us what to do. And then I don't we know, know why you would wait. I mean, we now have two pharmaceutical companies ratcheting up production. We now are getting six million doses from Israel. That is on its way. Uh, we have uh, I, at least... Three million that I know they've recently identified, and that does not include the, the medicines that are out there. Uh, certainly, uh, I mean, that gives us a good head start. So I don't think, I, I'm not sure, I, thinking about well, who might like need it 22, more. Well, if you got like a 22 year old is in great shape versus a 57 year old with three health issues, you're talking totally different decisions on whether you'd wait or not. You know what I mean? There's, you've got to look at some people and say, we don't, don't, I mean, Statins are great for everybody, but we don't start treating people with statins when they're 18 years old just because we know they're Let great. Let me ask we, a harder we, question, we though. What okay. if it's your daughter or son? If it's my daughter and son and they're going down a bad path, I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't I would, hesitate at all. If they tested positive, I would, pro- I would want them to have it. I'm going to be very blunt. Right. Dr. Zelenko? I disagree, Sean, and I have to agree with the doctor. These two drugs are not candy, and, and they do have significant side effects, uh, specifically on heart arrhythmias. So they need need to be used in the right setting. The right setting is like this. Anyone who's short of breath, regardless of age, if someone is young and healthy... Uh, and I would follow have... that protocol. I would, no, I would, I would agree with you. If they're not showing any major symptoms, but I would be watching it like a hawk, and I'd be oh, finding exactly. it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. anyone who is in high risk, which we know their death rates are, you know, not not. What I'm saying is, I wouldn't hesitate to use it. And now talking to you, Doctor Zelenko, I'm like, hell yeah! If anyone's showing symptoms or shortness of breath, underlying conditions, and it's really seeming to take hold of them, I would get that in their system faster than I, as fast as I could. I agree. Let me let you. Let, I have to let you know. I'm in contact with Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of the president. Yeah. He has the, he has this letter. Um, it's great I've news. I've been corresponding with him. Um, I guess the president is having his experts evaluated. It. It's also been at the Ministry of Health in Israel. All the top doctors there are evaluating it. It's also been in the government of Brazil. They're also looking at it. And so there's a lot of uh, interest and a lot of big minds are looking to see if this may have a role in treatment. What about these maps that I see, the countries that have very high incidences of malaria have much fewer cases of coronavirus or COVID-19? Is that the case? 
I'm not aware of that, but it would make sense because the, the, we're using Plaquenilva, hydroxychloroquine, which is mm-hmm. the drug used for malaria. Let me get a couple of calls in here. Dr. McDonough and um, our good friend, Dr. Zelenko, uh, both new friends to the show. Uh, Jenny is in Texas. Jenny, uh, welcome to our medical aid team. How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good, Sean. Um, well, getting better. I just wanted to um, share my experience because I'm immune compromised. I'm in my 40s. Um, I have a chronic illness and I have asthma. And I had my usual appointment with my doctor last what was it, uh, last Tuesday, and my doctor said, you know, I read the study, and because of your situation, I want to add Plaquenil, which I've taken in the past. A lot of people in my, my condition take it, no issues, and I was already on azithromycin, so he added it, and I was like, all right, you know, I wasn't worried. I was self-isolating already, and, um, but then, like, literally, like, the next day, my husband and I started having symptoms, but I didn't really... I wasn't sure because I always don't kind of feel good, but it's, we started getting symptoms and it kind of progressed pretty quick with me um, because it it goes straight to your lungs. You feel nothing like really in your face, no cold symptoms, like these are rhinos, anything, but you feel like an inflammation in your face. And then it went straight to my lungs. So by the time I got the medicine, actually I realized I had some left over from not long ago. And I said, well, let me start taking it now because... You know, I knew what he was talking, the doctor was talking about, and I think I took it, started taking it on the 19th, two days later, and I was pretty bad off. I was having trouble breathing, like shortness of breath, walking around was just exhausting, like even just going to the kitchen, and I was kind of isolating myself in the bedroom. I didn't want any of my other family members to get it, and um, my husband was not feeling great, like very low-grade fever, feeling very warm, but he's okay. He really, it so was like How did it nothing. work? Did it work? Great. Yes, it did. How I felt, quickly? I started taking it, and within, like, two days, I was feeling a lot better, and I had to force myself not to get up and do things because I had yeah. to rest, you know, and I didn't get a test, so take it for what it is. No, but that's very drug, helpful. It sounds like you, you had it to me, but I'm, I'm not the doctor. I'm not playing one on right. radio or TV. Uh, let me get a quick response, uh, Jenny. Uh, Dr. McDonough, does that give you more yeah, Sean, confidence in it? Yeah. No, it gives me, she is a person, you notice there were two, one without risk factors and one with. The one without risk factors kind of you know, got sick, but kind of did better. You could tell she was going to go down a bad path because of her predisposing condition, but by taking that medication, it helped her. And that's what I'm talking about. When, what we're finding out is if you begin it in people in that situation, you know, we send them home, quarantine, give us a call, and all of a sudden they're saying, I'm really having trouble breathing. It's going down that respiratory path. That's, I think, in somebody like that, you, you, you would you you want to take advantage of the time you have, and you don't want to sit around and wait two more days until we get into ARDS and they're in an ICU or something. So I think that is a, a perfect use of the medication in that case, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I think I think that would be a good direction. I'm sure glad she did well. Yeah, me too. And thank you. We're glad you did well. Honestly, we wish you and your your husband the best. Thank you so much for calling. 